Thursday is Global Accessibility Awareness Day, which means a return of Tech Enabled, our regular feature looking at the ways tech are including more people. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Allison Dinesco Riom, who runs CNET Vice's software and services team. Allison, thanks for joining me. Excited to be here. So, Allison, you've got a story looking at this group. Well, essentially, it's one man building adaptive controllers for wounded veterans. Can you tell me more about Warfighter Engaged? Warfighter Engaged is a nonprofit organization created by a man named Ken Jones. He's a military defense contractor by day, but builds these adaptive controllers for veterans who have lost limbs or have other mobility challenges by night. And, and our goal was basically to uh, get the veterans that were seriously injured, uh, polytrauma, you know, multiple amputations and head injuries and things like that. They were avid gamers, very young, 18, 24, missing multiple limbs, and they wanted to play again. And today he makes about 200 controllers a year for veterans and also for civilians and for kids who are born with a disability, giving them all a chance to game again. Now, how did how did Ken get into this, uh, and and how did this organization even start? Because it, it's fascinating to me. But like, how does one decide to start making adaptive controllers? Well, Ken was building these adaptive controllers in his spare time, just meeting with veterans at this Army Medical Center in Maryland and elsewhere, and figuring out what they would actually need to be able to play video games again, even if they had lost arms or legs or anything. Basically, uh, we took regular controllers and modified them into sometimes tabletop devices that had all the buttons and, and um, levers and uh, paddle and whatever was necessary for their them to play with missing limbs, you know, partial limbs, nubs, stumps, whatever, whatever they had. And the demand for what he was doing just started increasing, and he was getting three or four requests for these controllers every week. So he decided to formally form a nonprofit in 2014. So today he's the one making almost all of these controllers, often staying up till 2 a.m. to do so. And he has a few other volunteers who help him with outreach and things like that. And the organization is totally donation-based. And how much is one of these controllers? Well, for veterans, the custom controllers that he makes are totally free. For everyone else, he sells a few non-custom models on the organization's site for under $100 each. He'll also build custom controllers for civilians who need them and will typically just ask for a donation there. Now, t- tell me a bit about these controllers and like the some of the challenges because it's it's you know it's not like you can just take one off the shelf, right? These things have to be customized for specific needs. Exactly, and I think one of the biggest challenges off the bat is just figuring out the person who you're building for's attitude about it. Ken said, like, there's a really big difference between working with someone who lost a limb in combat and suddenly feels like they lost this ability to do something that they love and someone who was born with a disability and maybe already learned to play with their face or their feet and is just really excited that there are more possibilities for them now. Plus, no two people with a disability are exactly the same. These controllers really do have to be customized. Ken said that he often 3D prints pieces and then makes these really unique setups based on the individual gamer's needs. And plus, the controller also has to change over time as a person's injuries heal and change too. Yeah, that that part was fascinating to me because like it, it wasn't like you get your controller and you're good to go. Like as, as time goes on, you've got to go back and customize it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's where 3D printing, I think, comes in for Ken, at least, because you can really get those pieces exactly as you need them, no matter what phase of healing that you're in. And the Xbox Adaptive Controller, which you know, CNET's written about uh, extensively in the past, and it plays a big role in this. Can you tell me about how Ken uses that Adaptive Controller to essentially power his business, right? 
Yeah. So the Xbox Adaptive Controller came to market in 2018, and it was a really big deal. It's a pretty minimal device with just a few buttons that you can adapt to meet your individual needs by plugging in more buttons, joysticks, mounts. It's meant to be really flexible. But most of the changes to make gaming more accessible have been on the software side. So stuff like better visuals for people who are colorblind. But this was the first big mainstream piece of hardware out there. Warfighter Engaged and several other organizations were actually involved in creating it, too. And today, everything they build is on top of that controller. And Ken really calls it a game changer because it's made people aware of how many gamers are out there who want to play, but maybe couldn't in the past because there was nothing off the shelf for them to buy. Now people are coming out of the woodwork and saying, hey, I want to play, too. And this device is giving those people some hope that they can. Yeah. Is there an estimate for how many people you know, would, would actually be able to take advantage of something like this? You know, I'm not sure. I think there are about 33 million disabled gamers in the world. So I think any of them could potentially be able to take advantage and adapt it based on what they need. And you didn't just talk to Ken. You, you talked to at least one of the, the veterans who uses one of these. Talk a little bit about that and how they benefited from this program. Yeah, so one of the toughest cases that Warfighter Engaged worked with was this former sergeant named John Peck, who became a quadruple amputee while he was deployed in Afghanistan when he was just in his 20s. But he came back with this thing. He's like, you know, like this is like a tabletop kind of thing, and it's got its own stand. And at first I, I looked at him, I'm like, Ken, how the hell am I supposed to play video games with this thing? And what it was is like, so I still have my right leg. So, like, there's this three-pronged thing that goes that I kind of have to line my leg up with. And if I lift my leg up or move my leg to the right or left, it, they, it flips a switch that are, um, I forget what they're called, levers. And mm -hmm. it does different things, you know, depending on the game that I'm playing. And then for my right arm, I have a joystick that looks around. And then right above that, I have, like, the regular PlayStation 4 buttons. So, like, the uh, circle, square, triangle, mm -hmm. X. He also used these bite switches and sip and puff switches, which let you do things in a game by biting down or blowing air. And since John has actually had a double arm transplant since then, now he has arms but doesn't have full control over them, which led Ken to change up the controller design again. And while John said this setup isn't really perfect for playing like multiplayer shoot 'em up games with people online, he can still play things like Lego Batman and Minecraft. And he's actually working on building a Hogwarts replica in Minecraft right now because his wife is a really big Harry Potter fan. So it's cool to see that this adaptive controller opened up this hobby that he thought was lost forever. Yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. And, and again, this is a great example of how these controls do have to get changed over time. Uh, to, to kind of accommodate the, the change in the evolving uh, recovery process here. Exactly. How did you get into the story? I'm really curious, um, like, how you found CAN in this program. Well, with Global Accessibility Awareness Day coming up, someone on the CNET team had suggested that I look into the story of a man named Rory Steele, who built an adaptive controller for his young daughter who has a disability so that she could play Zelda Breath of the Wild like he was playing. And that story ended up going viral. So that one example led me to discover this whole community of people who have been doing this kind of thing for years, tinkering with controllers and adding extra buttons and joysticks to make gaming more accessible for everyone. Yeah, and... Um I'm just curious if you got a sense of how big this community was or like, you know, how many folks are out there. Because we, we have written about some of the stuff in the past. You know, obviously there are uh, eSports gamers who use some of these controllers. But uh, did you sort of get a sense of how, how broad this community was? 
I think it's bigger than we think it is. You know, there's almost, you can find almost anything on the internet nowadays. Nothing is too niche. So there's a big maker community on places like Reddit and Twitter and lots of other forums that are figuring out these challenges together and how to actually build controllers on their own or connect with organizations like Workwide Engage to get some help. All right, that's uh, that's wrap. That's uh, awesome. I think it's a great story. You're going to see more of these tech-enabled stories all week. Uh, check out Allison's piece, though, on CNET.com. As always, if you have any questions, leave us a voicemail at 862-250-5713 for The Daily Charge. I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>